0: The L.A. Clippers regular season is over and on the last day of the season people didn't know what they should have done should they have won, should they have lost well a win put them in, a win is what they got and they will be returning to the Valley of the Sun next Sunday to play the Phoenix Suns in a third series between the two franchises all time what will be the keys to that series what did the Clippers show in this game gonna be talking about it all as the regular season closes on Locked On Clippers you are locked on Clippers your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast Yes, sir, you are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darian Vaziri, in my 18th season as a Clipper fan. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Pod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, where I went live immediately after the game for an uncensored, immediate review of what the situation was. And on today's episode of Locked On Clippers, which is brought to you by PrizePix. Picks. PrizePix Picks is the best way to make daily fantasy entries the best app we've got. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You just got to use the promo code LOCKEDON. But in this episode, and by the way, before I get continue, Locked On Clippers is free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, including YouTube. And I want you to tell me how happy you are, how you feel, how you are feeling about the matchup. So in this episode, going to be talking about if the Clippers should have potentially lost. going to be talking about what happened in the game and obviously the series against the Suns. Let's talk about what happened in the game. I think yet again, this game was another one of those tale of two halves for the Clippers. Or really, in this case, a tale of three quarters being one way and one quarter being the other way. And the Clippers, you know, again, came out underestimating the opposition. I mean... You could say it was a back-to-back, whatever you want to say about it, but they came out lazy, not fighting over screens. Nobody was rotating. Everybody was dying on screens, so that meant that Eviches Zubots had to come up and Mason Plumley had to come up, and nobody was taking their man. No one was helping the helper. Nobody was rotating. Just slow defense, non-existent, and Kawhi Leonard got off to a bad start. Obviously, they were doubling off of Russ, which you expect from every team, and... Kawhi was having trouble dealing with the load up the double teams. He was throwing the ball away. He lost the ball twice didn't even get back and the Suns got off to an early lead over the Clippers 28 to 19 the Clippers only scored 19 points in the first quarter. Again, you saw a total bench unit from Ty Liu going with a 10-man rotation with the bench of Norman Powell, Bones Highland, Terrence Mann, Robert Covington, and Mason Plumlee. And again, for the second consecutive first half, I felt like they played better. I felt like Norman Powell and Bones Highland were able to get to the basket, get a couple of shots to fall, and going up against the Suns' second unit, who by the way, I didn't know Darius Baisley was on the Suns all of a sudden, did not know he was he was even off the Thunder, but... Guys like him, different guys that came in, their jump shots were falling less. And the Phoenix Suns, you know, i got to give them credit. The starters, they played well. They played hard. They were the more more active team in the beginning of the game. And Jock Landale, I've referenced his name so many times throughout my first year here at Locked On Clippers. Because on opening night, he destroyed the Clippers and showed that we just didn't have a backup big. In this game, he had his good moments, you know, picking and popping and in the pick and roll. But it comes from having no resistance and then Zoo having to step up. Mason Plumlee, same situation. And he doesn't really offer any resistance either. At least Zoo, he does. Um, But Russell Westbrook, I will say he, he was hitting some shots offensively. But I think there are times where Russ, you just don't really see it in the stat sheet. But when he's one pass away and he's throwing the entry pass and they double off of him right away, sometimes it's easy for them to help and then recover or play two guys at once or pretend like, they're going to go double and then they don't. They stunt at Kawhi or something like that. And you don't see anything in the stat sheet. But that hurts having somebody like that on the floor where Kawhi is contemplating whether or not he should pass him the ball. But considering the way Russell Westbrook has been shooting lately and the things he's been doing on the court, I think the Clipper players should hesitate less when guys double off of him. Throw him the ball and let him make a play. And I noticed an adjustment by Ty Lu in this game and I want you to pay attention to it in the playoffs. He had Russell Westbrook one pass away, like I just said, and it was kind of easy for the defense to stunt or help and recover. What he did was he then made an adjustment and put Russell Westbrook two passes away. So he put a guy like Eric Gordon or Nico Batum one pass away from Kawhi. So let's say Nico and Eric throw the ball to Kawhi. Their man goes and doubles Kawhi. Now, when the ball is swung, whoever's guarding Russ on the next pass is going to come take away the three-pointer from Norm or Eric because they don't want the three from them. They'd rather have Russ beat them. So they're going to come rotate. The extra pass is then made to Russ, who now has even more real estate to run in and get a running start and attack the basket. So I think that's a really good adjustment, personally. And going into halftime, the Clippers were down 53-48. to 48, And you heard Don McClain, if you're watching the, the local feed, talk about it's the same thing as yesterday. Once the Clippers real uh, put it together that they're going to defend, then this game will be over quickly. And in the beginning of the third quarter, it felt like that was happening. Kawhi Leonard started to get shots to fall. Russell Westbrook was continuing to get shots to fall and being more aggressive. The negatives that we were seeing in the first half weren't really there. The defense was tightening up. Not from EJ, though. He was another pedestrian in this one. I know he had a buzzer-beating three at the end of, I believe, the second quarter. But EJ in this one, just another game where he was... Just going through the motions, six points, two for seven from the field. All of those shots were threes. Going to need better from EJ, especially if he's going to start in this Suns series. And he's going to need to be better defensively because part of the reason why a lot of us are fairly optimistic about this series is because of his performance the game before we got Russ against the Suns in Phoenix. But overall, the Suns answered back that initial push from Russ from Kawhi. They actually scored 33 points in the third quarter, which was their most of any quarter that they scored. The Clippers outscored them in that quarter by one, 34-33. But the Suns had a four-point lead going into the fourth. I was really nervous. I was looking at other scores around the league. And with the Pelicans being neck and neck with the Timberwolves, I just, it was too nerve wracking. I didn't want to go to a play in game again after last year. I, I just couldn't take it. So the Clippers had to win. I just wanted them to win. I've been saying we got to accept it. You can't duck smoke. Let's play Phoenix. Let's get it on. We're already going to be at a disadvantage no matter what series we play without Paul George. I'd say if we take out Phoenix and Denver. Okay, like, okay, let's get it. We're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> but I'm just saying we had to win the game. And in the fourth quarter, you saw the Clippers bury them. And two guys, I actually want to say three guys, but two guys mainly that got it going. And by the way, in the second half, Ty Lu staggered Russ and Kawhi. He took Roko out. He only played Roko like five minutes. And again, Roko has the shortest leash of anybody. Only five minutes. Didn't even get a shot off. Was plus five. The only stats he registered were two rebounds, one assist, and a block. So he didn't really get a chance to do anything. Kawhi came right back in for him. And look, until the fourth quarter, I didn't even think Kawhi was having a very good game offensively. He stepped up defensively. In the second half, but in the first half, he was getting blown up on every screen that he was involved in. He was getting blown by in transition. Everybody was playing poor defensively in the first half. And in the second half, though, I thought Bones, Highland, and Norman Powell yet again came through for the Clippers. Norman Powell in these last three games has been the Norman Powell that we saw before the injury. He has been able to get to the basket at will. The whistle's working for him again. He's getting that good whistle, getting to the line. The only thing that's still lagging behind a little bit is his three ball, but other than that, he's getting to the basket Whether it's coming off those curls, whether it's attacking one-on-one, even in pick-and-roll, taking advantage of bigs and drop coverage, he's getting two feet in the paint consistently. He's attacking closeouts. He's making things happen, and he made things happen in this game. Bones Highland, same thing in the pick and roll, snaking through the screens, hitting step back mid ranges, hitting threes, showing a little bit of nifty shifty in transition. Love watching Bones Highland play. He also uh, has been showing everybody that he's a good passer. And in this game, five rebounds for Bones Highland to go along with 11 points on five for 11 shooting in just 18 minutes of play. So 11 and five in 18 minutes. I'll take that all day from busy who we'll see what his playoff minutes look like, but I thought that the guys that brought it home in the end, even though Norman Bones were massive. And I also want to give a shout-out to Mason Plumley. I thought he was really good in this game. Finishing around the rim, had a crucial little running hook after a little altercation with Bones Howland at the end of the third quarter, and the only thing that was was a miscommunication on defense on the last possession. Mason Plumley had a nice little give-and-go with Russ on that last possession of the third quarter, but... The fact that Bones Highland fed Mason Plumley twice on the first possession of the fourth quarter or one of the first possessions of the fourth quarter showed me right there it was no big deal. They weren't mad at each other. That's just professional sports. That's just sports. doesn't have to be professional. You have altercations with your teammates sometimes. You fight it out. You get over it. It's no big deal. There was no fists you know, flying like in Minnesota. <laughs> but when I saw Plumley hit that running hook, it was a really big shot. He also just had a couple of big rebounds. And some nice passes on the break. I still think Mason Plumlee sometimes thinks he's like freaking Magic Johnson. But he had two nice plays in the fast break. One of them was a little drop off to Norman Powell. And Terrence, man, I thought he was actually really struggling defensively at times in this game. He was letting guys turn the corner on him. And even though, you know, he hit a mid-range and still made a couple of good, you know, plays here and there. Four points on two of five shooting. In 20 minutes, he was plus eight. Plus minus always looks good for Terrence. But overall, he needs to offer more resistance defensively. If he's going to be one of our main point of attack guys, he's the guy we've been calling for more minutes for all year. He needs to be better defensively. He needs to stay in front. He needs to do a better job getting over screens. And he can't let guys turn the corners so easily. Guys like Damian Lee were doing it to him. Damian Lee's not some crazy one-on-one player. But Russell Westbrook and Kawhi were the two guys that brought it home. Russ, I mean some of his efforts on the glass, offensive glass, second and third efforts were incredible. When he's in the dunker spot, he can really make things happen. There was one time where he went full speed to the basket, missed, got his own rebound, missed again, got his own rebound again, and finished, and then the one-handed put-back slam off a Terrence Mann mid-range miss. Holy cow. Russell Westbrook still showing he's got that bounce. And Kawhi Leonard, even though it wasn't the smoothest game from him, even though his efficiency was still amazing, he closed the game. And I think his end-of-game efficiency probably made it, you know, his end-of-game stat line look good. Because he was catching the ball deeper. He was getting it on mismatches, one to two dribbles, jump hooks, little push shots. And I think the key was the sets the Clippers are running. And you gotta give credit to the coaching staff. They were running those curls. Closer to the basket and spacing it out a little differently. I think they were running Mason Plumlee and Russell Westbrook around the basket because they're both rebounding threats and running a little bit of a pin down for Kawhi to come up and catch the ball at the elbow. When he did, now he only needs one or two dribbles, even though the shot may not be there coming off the screen right away like he does when he comes off a longer screen or a longer route coming off a screen going to the three-point line. You've seen a lot of Kawhi Leonard coming off pin downs for a right wing three. This season, but in this game, you saw him come off those curls tighter, kind of like an 80s set, like a 90s, 80s set, where they ran those sets closer to the basket, rust through the entry pass, Kawhi gets the ball at the elbow, one to two dribbles. Now, when he catches the ball already 12 feet away, he only needs one or two dribbles to get into his shot. And when he's against a smaller guy, if they switch that action, easy jump hook, bully ball. And Kawhi was starting to do that. Catch the ball closer to the basket and finish. And Mason Plumlee, he got the trust of Ty Lue to close this game, kind of. And you know what? I have no problem with it because it was working. But I just want everybody to pay attention to those sets. If Russell Westbrook is killing on the offensive glass, because team's going to get him open or leave him open, he's going to have to do that. But you have him and another center out there Look to see if they run more old school sets with curls, with Kawhi catching the ball at like the foul line with totally different kind of spacing, not having a guy immediately on the wing so they can come cheat over. It's a little different. Clippers win it though. 119 to 114, they outscore the Suns 37 to 28 in the fourth quarter. To win it 119 to 114, Kawhi Leonard led the way for the Clippers. Actually, Norman Powell did. 29 points for him, 5 rebounds on 12-for-22 shooting in 32 minutes. Still not been able to get the 3-ball to go. He's 0-for-3 from there, or was 0-for-3 from there. 5-for-7 from the line. Kawhi Leonard had 25 points. And Russell Westbrook also had 25 points. Kawhi with 25 points. 15 rebounds. A lot of those were uncontested because I didn't really notice them that much. But still, 15 rebounds led the way for the Clips. Also, 6 assists. The only thing that was uncharacteristic of Kawhi was the 4 turnovers. He usually does a better job taking care of the ball. But 11 for 21 from the field. He didn't make a 3. He was 0 for 3. And the Clippers shot terribly from 3 in this game. 5 for 23. Only 23 three-point attempts. So, the Suns making an effort to run the Clippers off the line. They shot 22% from three, Kawhi, as I said, 0 for 3, and 3 of 5 from the line is not that great, but 25, 15, and 6 in 36 minutes on 11 for 21 from the field, I'll take all day. And Russell Westbrook, another really solid performance. The Clippers now finish 11 and 10 in the regular season with Russ, 25 points, 7 rebounds, 9 assists, a steal, only 2 turnovers. 8 for 19 from the field. So he wasn't really good from 2 in this game. But 2 of 4 from 3. 7 for 10 from the line. We'll take that all day from Russ. Clippers went at 119 to 114. And coming up, going to be talking about if the Clippers should have potentially lost the game. Or if if it would have been better if they had. Because there was an option towards the end to potentially try to do that. And we saw Ty Lue mouthing something that was pretty interesting. Going to be talking about that coming up. Before I do that, I gotta tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the best daily fantasy entry app out there. Here's how it works: all you gotta do is pick two to six players and predict if they will score more or less than the Prize Picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on entry on any entry, and it's not competing against other people. It's just you and the projections. And a Prize Picks offers projections on any sport. It can be NBA. MLB, NHL playoffs are coming up as well. And entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states in Canada. For the play-in game on Tuesday between Atlanta and uh, Miami, I'm going with Jimmy Butler's over on the points. They have it at 27.5 right now, but it's playoff Jimmy Butler. With his season on the line, he's scoring 30 for sure. I'd put my money on it. In fact, I am. So I am going to put my money on that. Jimmy Butler on the over. DeJounte Murray is at nineteen and a half right now. I don't know. Miami has good defense, so I'm a little bit wary on that one. I'm going to go with the under on Tyler Hero, though. 20 and a half points for him. I don't know why I'm feeling the under. I just feel like he's going to have a cold shooting night, but that's not a sure bet. As far as Anthony Edwards, though, for the Wolves, that's also on Tuesday night against the Lakers. Definitely taking the over there. I think Ant's going to have a big game. But anyway... Those are some of my picks. Just download the PricePix app or go to PricePix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit $100, PricePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PricePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKED ON and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Okay. So the Clippers beating the Phoenix Suns 119-114 to 114 and winning the game ensured that they would be the fifth seed in the West and would play the Phoenix Suns in the playoffs for the third time in franchise history, second time in three years. Obviously, many people, many fans... You know agreed that the Phoenix Suns were the harder matchup and this side of the bracket with Denver and Phoenix in it is the tougher side than the one with Sacramento and Memphis the only way the Clippers could have won or been the seed, which everybody wanted was if the Pelicans lost well the Pelicans did lose. But in the moment, the Clipper game was slightly ahead of the Pelicans. You just didn't know. So for anyone saying the Clippers should have lost in this and that, they had no clue. You had to go out there and win. And first of all, you don't duck anybody. If you have actual championship aspirations, you don't duck anyone. You go out there and you try to win every game you play and let the chips fall where they may. And with guys like Kawhi Leonard on the team, guys like Russell Westbrook, I don't think we're going to do that, and we didn't do that. And Ty Lu, he says the basketball gods punish those who do that. Which makes me think, I mean, we didn't we not do that in 2021? Did the Basketball Gods punish us with Kawhi tearing his ACL? I don't know. It looked like the Basketball Gods had punished us for not trying to get the 3-seed and play Portland when we were down 2-0 against Dallas. That's for sure. But the Clippers taking care of business. They won three games in a row to end the season. And I'm pretty sure we've won 11 out of our last 16. So we're playing better But I still don't think we're playing that great of basketball. However, I'd much rather be three wins in a row going into the playoffs than three losses in a row. So we'll take that. I think the big positive is Norman Powell's playing really well. But the thing I said about Ty Lue, there's a video clip of him talking to an assistant coach saying, what's the score of that game? And it's just funny to hear him and see him say that, what's the score of that game. I think he said, like, it's tied or Minnesota's up by one or something. But it was just too late. But it would have been funny to see what he did had the result been like Minnesota's up 10. Would he have put Jason Preston in the fourth quarter? Like, it would have been hilarious. But it's just crazy to see that coaches, you know, they potentially think about even doing things like that. But the Clippers, you know, they have nobody to blame but themselves. And I'll I'll do another episode on that this week. Think about it. We have no game till Sunday. So book your calendars. That's game one. But until then... We got Tuesday, we got Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Four days, we got to do episodes. So, I got to talk about something. And one of it's going to be why the Clippers ended up here. I mean, they have nobody to blame but themselves for ending up in the five seed. This is what happens when you don't take the regular season seriously. You think you can turn on a switch in the playoffs? Well, here we go. And coming up, going to be talking about the switches the Clippers have to turn on. What are the keys to winning this series? And how do I feel about playing it in the first place? Going to be talking about all that Coming up, but before we do that, I got to tell you about the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM app. The Ultimate Pro Basketball GM app is the coolest game I've played in a long time. I've always thought I could be a great NBA GM, and as it turns out, it's not all that easy, believe it or not. If you've had the same thought as me and have fantasized about managing your own basketball franchise, then just go and download the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. The game allows you to manage every aspect of a franchise strategically When you can play through seasons, lead your franchise and fans as you build a dynasty, or stay in the gutter for a couple of years like the Detroit Pistons. <laughs> In the simulation, you're responsible for dealing with challenging personalities, players and coaches. You can hire the right coaches and assistants or the wrong ones. Trade and train players, make draft picks, trade draft picks, navigate your franchise through free agency and the draft and all the ups and downs of multiple seasons. All in a challenging and realistic virtual gaming world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is a completely free and playable offline play on the go as you want and when you want to app. Locked on Clippers listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit ProBasketballGM.com, scan the code, or look it up on the app stores. That's ProBasketballGM.com, Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. So the Clippers and the Suns. Listen. Obviously, this isn't ideal. We're going up against a team with championship aspirations without Paul George. A lot of people think that we've got no chance without Paul, and I honestly don't blame those people for thinking that. We're missing a bona fide 23, 24 points a game kind of guy, a guy that the last time we saw him in the playoffs was amazing, a guy who guards, a guy who can score from all three levels, a guy who when he gets it going, he's amazing, and a guy who can mainly match up with Devin Booker point for point. Now we're in trouble. We don't have Paul George. It's going to need huge performances from every role player, but mainly it's going to take Kawhi Leonard to be the best player in the series, number one. We've talked all season about playoff Kawhi. As long as we get to the playoffs healthy, we'll be fine. Well, we didn't do that, but we got healthy Kawhi. 52 games on the season for him. And remember, before the season, I said if we get 60-plus games of Kawhi and 60-plus games of PG, we'll get a top-three seed. If you had told me we get Kawhi for 52, so missing 30 games, which is nearly half, and then Paul George missing 25, 26, I would have said we'll probably be 4, 5, or 6, and that's exactly where we landed. But funny enough, with the records of certain teams above us, I think we still, even with the 56 games of PG and 52 of Kawhi, we still could have gotten a top three seed. But we just lost big-time games. We threw away games. We punted games. we were cautious with, them, with our star players. One of them's here. One of them's not. The one that is here, though, is the best one, the best part of the team, Kawhi Leonard. We saw Paul George play the Suns without Kawhi. He wasn't successful. Now we're going to see Kawhi play them without Paul George and... I mean, we're obviously awaiting news from Paul George. If he comes back in the middle of the series, that would scare some Suns fans, I think, and would energize the crowd. But let's just expect that we don't see him for the first round. We're going to need Kawhi to outplay KD. Everybody. He needs to be the best player in the series. I don't see an avenue where the Clippers win the series without him being the best player. It's going to be tough. We're going to need big performance from the role players. We need four games where they just knock down their threes. But in my opinion, it comes down to two things besides the Kawhi thing. That's the number one thing. What team are we getting defensively? Are we getting the Clipper team that dilly-dallies defensively in the beginning of games, doesn't fight over screens, and doesn't talk, and doesn't rotate? Or are we getting the one that seems like they care, that we've seen at times of the season, like we saw in the second half against Portland? That's going to answer everything. And the main guys that are going to come to question are uh, Eric and Russ in the starting lineup defensively. Because I know Kawhi's going to be locked in. I know Zo's going to be great. And I know that Nico's going to be Nico. Those two need to be good getting over screens and talking and being alert. Terrence Mann needs to be better getting over screens. Norman Powell needs to continue the defense he's playing the last three games. But it needs everybody to be focused defensively. Our offense, I'm not as concerned about. That really comes down to Kawhi Leonard being great and then other players stepping up. But it really comes down to that. And then Ty Lue. We've seen... So many different versions of Ty Lue this season. We've seen good Ty Lue. We've seen what is he doing, Ty Lue. We've seen playing too much Reggie and Marcus Ty Lue. But considering Marcus Morris, again, back spasms. Ty Lue said, we're just focusing on him getting healthy. Again, I think it's baloney. I don't think he's going to play. And that has made Ty Lue's job easier and has made him look like a better coach. Seriously. The Clippers are 4-2 now with Nico starting. And again, one of those losses was with, you know... Ty, Lue, I'm sorry. Um, Kawhi Leonard coming out in the first half against Memphis, or coming out at halftime against Memphis. So that was weak. But I'm sorry, the Clippers are five and two, five and two with Nico Batum in the starting lineup. Really could be five and one, or six and one, I should say. But it's already making Ty Lue look better. With this nine or ten man rotation, it's just going to be interesting to see if he goes nine or ten. I think there's a chance he goes ten and plays Roko in lineups without. Kawhi for like three or four minutes stretches in games, but then he goes away from him in the second half. So Kawhi plays like 38, 40. I think that may have been a test, but I also don't see a coach going uh, Lu, for example going full on bench in a playoff game. I think one of either Roko or Bones is going to be taken out, and right now I'm leaning Roko because that's just what we've seen all season from Ty. I think we'll stay with Kawhi Leonard playing the whole first and third quarters, sitting the beginning of the fourth and second, and then coming on coming in at like the eight or nine minute mark of each to close the halves but I think we'll see the nine-man rotation of the starters and then Bones, Norm, Terrence, and Mason. And I think if we get Ty Lue doesn't put in three guards at once unless it's EJ, Norm, and Russ together that can guard up a little bit, I think Ty will be fine. I think Ty will make adjustments. It'll be really interesting to see what he does. And I think if we get good Ty, Kawhi plays like the best friend in the series, we get 18 to 20 points a night from Norm, we have a really good shot to win this series. Because as I said, the Suns haven't been tested. I just watched their game against the Thunder, which is the last real game that they played. Because they played the Spurs, and they played the Nuggets without everybody. Those aren't real tests. I watched their last game against the Thunder in Oklahoma City. It was a good game. They won by like 10. But it took Chris Paul to make some really tough shots at the end. And yeah, they 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 you know they spammed a high pick and roll with Aiton and Chris Paul with Devin, Kevin Durant in the corner, and it was hard to guard. But they're you know going down to the wire against the thunder like they haven't b- been pushed for real against a team with a real super superstar that can match kevin durant and a team with that kind of experience and veteran presence they played their best wins were minnesota at dallas and at okc with kd i know they're 8-0 but they haven't faced adversity and when shots if shots three-pointers start falling on sunday and then they start and they can't make shots when the pressure's finally on and they don't know what to do well who knows? That being said, the Suns are absolutely favored in this series. There's nobody that can argue against that. But that doesn't mean a thing because the Clippers love to play against the odds. There's going to be way more episodes talking about this series. We're just getting started. The playoffs are here. The regular season is over. The Clippers end with a 44-38 and record on the season, which I don't think in my time being a fan, in my 18 years, I've seen the Clippers finish with that record. Um, We were 47 and 35 in 06. And then 07, 08, 09, 10, and 11, we were obviously below 500 in all those years. 2012 was a lockout season. And then 2013, we were 56 and 26. 2014, we were 57 and 25. And then 2015, we were 56 and 26 again. And if I'm not mistaken, in 2016 and 17, we were like 52 wins or 50 wins. We were 50 wins basically every year with Lob City. And then 48 and 34 with the 2019 team and then there's two shortened seasons in 2020 and 2021 you like that how many clever fans could come up here and name all those seasons records exactly right off the top of their head like that come on son stop playing <laughs> i love this team man it's been an honor to do this show for you this season i i'm sorry for the lack of guests you have to listen to my annoying voice all these episodes but I really appreciate you guys for all the support all the people that comment daily Um, you're the best fans in the world you're the most dedicated fans in the world and I'm calling to all you guys buy your tickets this is the time where every Clipper fan needs to flood the stadium there's gonna be one home game here on a weekend where the Arizonans will come in groves you need to buy tickets and get there to prevent those guys from getting tickets be as loud as possible we need all the help we can get in 2015 against San Antonio I sensed a feeling from the second the Clippers came out of the tunnel that Game 1, and I was at all the home games of that series, that the crowd knew the circumstance. They knew that we were going to need everything as a crowd to beat that team. And we're going to need exactly the same this time. So get your voices ready. I want it turned up like it's 2015, or every game with the intensity of the Curse Breaker Game 6. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Dropper for even more Clipper and NBA Playoff content. And Locked on Clippers is free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms. You need to subscribe, you need to write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts to make me look good, and you need to hit the notification bell so you know every time we post an episode. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers your first listen today. Now make your second listen game-to-game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Locked On Game-to-Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game-to-Game on Locked On NBA. available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. The Suns, part three. I There's so much I didn't even get to in this episode, but I'm going to be getting to it on Tuesday because so much to talk about. The angel proverb continues Go clippers.